0: I am Tingan and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. Welcome to Season 2, where we interview dads who are technology company leaders based in Southeast Asia. After hearing from moms in Season 1, now it's time to speak to dads who are raising kids while striving in their careers. Let's find out the stories, challenges and advice they have for us. In this episode, I speak to Nathadius, Regional Sales Manager at Zscaler. When I recorded this episode with Matt, he was a Territory Sales Manager at Salesforce for almost 5 years and has consistently been one of the top performers in his team. At Salesforce, he was selected for the prestigious Salesforce Leadership Accelerate program designed to groom future leaders. Nat is father to two young children, age three and one. Hey Nat, welcome to the Parents in Tech show. To begin with, can you tell us a bit more about your family?
1: Sure, hi Ching-en. So my name is Nathadius. People typically just call me Ned. I'm married and I have two kids. My older child, my daughter, she's three years plus, turning four this year. And I have a very young boy. He's coming up to five months now.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. So let's take a step back. How did you meet your wife?
1: That's a good question. So I guess you can say I'm one of the lucky ones who married their childhood sweetheart. So we met when we were 17 years old in junior college. And we got together at the end of our junior college. Wow. So... I think you can also say we have weathered many storms and gone through you know, our fair share of life experiences together. From me going to national service, and then her going to university first. Yeah. Then us, briefly having some time together in university. And then she going to the workforce first. And then we also travelled as a couple when we were dating. Mm. And I would say that's how we met. Wow, that's awesome.
0: So in this very long journey that you've been together, When did the talk of children? How many children? When do you have children? When did all of this start?
1: So before we got married, as Christians, we attended our church's Mm. marriage preparation course. And the topic of children did come up. Even so, from time to time, we would talk about children. But Mm -hmm. when you're really going to get married, that topic or that idea becomes more real. And I did share with my wife that one of my dreams in life is to become a father because I love children. And since we have dated for close to seven years before we got married, I sensed she was quite indifferent to having children. And to be honest, after we got married, we didn't plan when we wanted to have children. We just let nature take its own course because we both feel
0: one can never be fully ready to be a parent. Yeah, so true. You say something that's very interesting. You dreamt always to be a father. That's quite a different level. So tell me a bit more about this desire. Did it come from somewhere since young?
1: I have an older brother, but I have a lot of cousins and relatives. So, you know, usually on weekends, Mm. I would go to either my mom or my dad's relative's place. Mm. And we just grew up in an environment with a lot of children, whether they are older or whether we are younger. It's hard to pinpoint exactly when this desire came up. But thinking about life, sometimes I wonder, you know, what does life look like? And I just cannot imagine a life without children. I mean, that's just an ideal, I guess. And everyone has their own ideals.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So, from what you imagined being a father would be to actually becoming a father, tell me expectation equals to reality. And tell me a second thing that expectation does not equal to reality. Interesting question. Before becoming a
1: father, a lot of
0: people who
1: have been through the experience will say life changing experience, it's a rewarding experience, it's a fulfilling experience. And if you don't have children, it's it's hard to really understand what that means. So that is something we shall say kind of expected that because of people who have experienced it before. What do you mean? You know, it's just a child and taking care of it. But with children, you invest time building that relationship. It's really quite a rewarding and also a fulfilling experience. What people don't tell you in terms of the reality, it's a very harrowing experience. Now I kind of understand why when you see parents, they are always so tired (laughs) whether physically tired of course i slept well before this interview a lot of people don't really expect that they just say it's tiring it's painful but once you get into the motion of it you just learn how to grow as a parent in the past three years plus or four years being a parent we do meet new parents as well and parenting is a very traumatizing experience especially for first-time parents right but you don't look tired Are you tired now? So I think that's a very apt word to to describe Uh, the first time, you know, as a parent. It's just very traumatizing because you just don't know what you don't know. As me and my wife look back into like, wow, when we first had our child, it is indeed a very traumatizing kind of experience.
0: Can you give one example? What was perhaps one particular story that was particularly harrowing? I uh, can give you a lot. I mean, if you give me more time I can share. Okay, wonderful. Let's start with one.
1: <laughs> one example would be, physiologically, it's very tiring. So, one good example would be sleep. When the child is born, you need to feed the child, for example. So, my wife breastfeeds my daughter until like, she was two years old because you know it's just a personal decision that I think it's better for her. Okay. So, that also means that my wife has to be physically there to feed my daughter at least for up to two years. And then sleep is affected. And then a lot of times, you know, sometimes she may not wake up for milk. <laughs> you know, for children, you wake up for whatever reason, whether it's a nightmare or whether it's a stomach ache, you don't know. Or as doctors, you know, if they can't put a name to it, they just say it's colic. So a lot of times we just label it whatever we want to seek comfort or at least an encouragement. right? So I would say sleep is a big factor because I think at least for the first few months or at least a year, we're trying to figure out how do we get my daughter to sleep well? Because if she doesn't sleep well, then we don't sleep well. And then sleep is so important because it then affects your time, your behavior, your relationships with your family, your friends, and also your peers and your colleagues as well. So I think it just trickles down now. Uh, you just have a
0: lack of sleep. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I'm still going through that phase now. It's definitely better than the newborn, but I guess you have a newborn now, so it's uh, somewhat uh, round, round two again. So I've got to take you back a bit into when you first became a parent since we're on that topic, net. I mean, you are a top performer at Salesforce. You also work in sales where it's very, I would say, performance driven. You got to be on the ball. Did you ever worry or concern that, hey, taking a step back, at least for the period that you were going to be at that would affect your, your, your career trajectory?
1: I think that is definitely a concern for many people, whether you are male, I would say even for female as well. And I would say that because even my wife, I think one of the questions that I asked her, just sidetrack a bit, is that we, I asked her, you know, why not you take a break from work? Let's just focus on the child. And, I, mm. and my wife said something interesting, which is she doesn't see herself just staying at home. Yeah. Because she still feels a desire to go back to work. That's just innately human, right? Everyone has their own dreams and ambitions. And I think that then the question is, how much do you want to do? For some people, I mean, if you talk to some parents or whether they are male or female, mm. Some would say, oh, once my child comes, suddenly I have this urge to not work. And recently I've heard that as well. Some parents say, oh, I'm taking time off work for a year, or one and a half years. Yes. And I've heard even that as well, even though it's not so often, uh, to say, okay, maybe I should slow down, right? Yep. So, I mean, for myself, I would say I do still have the ambition, you know, when I had my first child, Mm. but I say it more as a marathon. The career itself is something which I want to build, but I'm not yeah. rushing to say that, okay, I have to be promoted. I need to get this new pay raise mm. at a certain period of time. And it just stems from what, what I said earlier, right? which is one of my dreams in life is to become a father. Yeah, And it's just one of the most. I, I guess, you know, one of the questions which also came to mind was, still, how do we think about work-life balance? To me, I don't really like that term because it just suggests that you need to sacrifice one to achieve another. But I think I'm very idealistic in nature, which is, why can't we have both? Can I excel as a father? Can I be a great husband? Can I be a great father to my kids? But at the same time, I want to be a great employee as well. I want to do well. I want to contribute. But not only that, I also want to be a great volunteer to an organization that I care deeply about. So I think it's just a very multifaceted approach to life. People sometimes, they forget the identity. They have stems from who they are and what they work as. Or, you know, I'm not a salesperson in Salesforce. It's just a very narrow view of who you are as a person. So then with that in mind, then I think, okay, there's so many aspects of my life. There's health, there's finance, there's romance, there's children, there's family, there's friends, spiritual. And then when I think of it as what some people commonly call it the, the wheel of life, then it's not just family and friends. It's like so many aspects and it's up to you to define. So I mean, I, as an idealist, I strive for everything to be a 10 on my side. But the reality is not everyone is at a 10. Sometimes your health is affected. Maybe you are working a bit too hard. It's important to have that kind of balance.
0: Yeah, so true. Life is so much more than our work, even though it's so easy for us to define ourselves by our job titles, by the companies that we come from. But it's truly quite refreshing to, to hear that coming from you. And that this realization that you had, not like 20 years after you became a parent, but like already so, so early in the whole process. So that's wonderful.
1: You know, growing up, maybe in our generation, we see, you know, our parents or maybe even our grandparents working and working. And I sound a bit like spoiled child when I say this, but hmm. sometimes we see what our parents have done or, you know, maybe some of our relatives, older generation, And then we ask ourselves, do we want to live our life like that? Not to say it's wrong, but do we have an alternative? Do we have a choice? And I like to think that we do have a choice since we are going to work for a very long period of time. How do I enjoy work in the process, right? How do I... Achieve what I want to achieve and money is just a means helping us to achieve. And then I ask myself, what's the end goal? End goal is I want to be, I want to have a happy family. I want to travel the world, but then I don't want to do that when I'm like 50 or 60 years old. Then how do I find that balance? If I'm spending all my time focusing on career, then along the way, am I missing out on what's in front of me? Right? Imagine you, you are a pirate and you're on a boat and you say, okay, my end goal is to find Treasure Island. Treasure Island is like so far. Then you are pedaling, you say, okay, my end goal is that I'm super focused, I'm going to stay focused. I'm going to paddle. you paddle and paddle and paddle. And then you say, okay, I want to find Treasure Island. Then suddenly, you paddle and you find a small island in front of you and there's, there's some goal. And you say, no, no, I just want Treasure Island. You just paddle and you paddle. And then on the way, you see, hey, there's a, a bag of floating gold. You say, no, no, I mm-hmm. don't want floating goal. I want to, the Treasure Island. Are we missing out on certain things in our life? And that's also one of my biggest fear. Like, am I missing out on a certain milestone in my children's life? And then on, on the aspect of my wife, am I making sure that I'm not neglecting her? Am I neglecting my parents? Am I neglecting some of my close friends? So I don't want to be that pirate who is just paddling towards a goal and missing out on things that are around me.
0: Yeah. Wow, that is a very fascinating analogy, for what that is. I like it a lot. This obsession that there's this place that will truly give us happiness. And then along the way, we miss out on all those opportunities. Couldn't be said better. Uh, So Ned, of course, you work at a company that gives very generous paternity leave. How long is it again? (laughs) So I
1: took 16 weeks for my first child.
0: Wow. And
1: the second child, I took 16 weeks as well okay yeah i'm glad you asked that question i'm actually quite proud of this experience that i have working in salesforce i think it's wonderful benefit being a parent in in salesforce a lot of times when i know i'm on parental leave and then sometimes we have friends and relatives coming and they they expect to just see my wife at home visit and visiting the child and they say "Ned, what are you doing how come you're here and i say oh i'm actually on parental leave they say wait but it's really months how come you're still at home? She I would say, oh, actually I have 16 weeks as well. Same as my wife. And they just go crazy, right? And it's a very shocked and bewildered. And a bit skeptical, I would say like, oh, on leave. Firstly, are you really on leave? Do you have to work? Like, do your bosses still like trouble you and ping you on email or whatever? And the second question usually they ask is, you're not paid, right? It's no pay, right? So the answer to both questions is no. Firstly, I do not have to do any work. And secondly, it's yes, I'm still paid. Actually, I could have taken six months of parental leave, which is 26 weeks. And I do know of males in Salesforce, not just in Singapore, I mean across the world, that takes that 26 weeks of parental leave. And if you think about it, my wife has 16 weeks, Right, that's like standard government rule. If I take six months, then it's longer than the wife. So that's quite crazy. But that also is one of the reasons why I didn't take 26 weeks. Because I feel like this parenting journey, it's something which I want to walk with my wife together making sure that we are parenting our
0: child together,
1: you know, and then going back to work together. That's something that's important to me.
0: That's true partnership. But Ned, I want to understand a bit more on this paternity leave, right? One stat that surprised me was actually almost half of parents' dads do not take their paternity leave. And we're not talking about four months you're talking about two weeks. And that to me also shocked me, right? I was, wow. I mean, it's just two weeks. Honestly, I don't think any of us are that important <laughs> that the organization will come crumbling down if we took two weeks or even four months off. It reflects the inner state of how we view this. That sometimes we're afraid to step away from work, afraid that we'll get irrelevant, afraid that that sets us back on promotion cycles and all that. Talk to me a bit more about whether you encountered some of these anxieties or was it in an environment where you did not go through any of this at all. Yeah, I I remember seeing this article as well.
1: I think over the years, one of the ministers, I think it's Louis Ng, he's quite a strong proponent that fathers play a huge role in families and it does have societal impacts whether it's through your work whether it's relationships whether it's family and there's just a lot of positive for fathers to be close to their kids and also be around and take leave right so in Salesforce I would say I'm very less in my first role in Salesforce I was doing business development and I've been doing it for I think Close to two years before I went on parental leave. And my own expectations is that okay, look, I'm likely not gonna seek a promotion. I think probably it's the Asian or the Singaporean in me that says, I don't deserve it. I took a long break, I don't deserve. And what's interesting is my past director, you know, who has now left Salesforce, before I left, he told me, Ned, I think you have done a great job, in, you know, the role that you've done. I know your career ambitions, I know what you're looking for next. I want to see how I can help you. And during parental leave, I don't expect you to go to the internet careers page, then go and find a job, Like right? Your focus is on parenting. And I think that's really great because as and when, sometimes I will still check my email, feel guilty or whatnot. I'm not sure whether it's an Asian context or Singapore context, but I still check my emails, I still reply. And then he texts me and saying that, I don't understand, what are you doing? Why are you still like replying emails? You know, you should just focus on parenting. And that, you know, was a true valid- validation that you know, Salesforce leadership cares. And they want us to just focus on parenting. The second part was, I think when it was close to my end of the four months, I got a text from the director who said, Hey, okay, look, I just heard that somebody is hiring. I think you should reach out. I've put in a good word for you. I know you've done a great job and I support you know your move. So then I think it was one or two months before I went back to work. I actually went prepared for an interview internally. Talked to the hiring manager and then, you know, kickstart the whole interview process. So it was, I would say it's a experience. It's lack of sleep. I haven't been working for like a few months and you're not in that state of working or like interviewing as well. But thankfully, you know, turn, things turned out well. I got the job. And then when I went back to work, I started on a new role. So that was, I'm still very shocked by the whole experience. And then the second time when I went on parental leave, there was an opening. So I've been in the sales role for two years. And then in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a second-time parent. I'm just going to stay in my current role. I'm not, I'm not going to rock the boat. And then an opening came and had a conversation with the hiring manager. And I was very upfront because I know, now I know how Salesforce works. And then I told the current manager, I said, well, firstly, I'm going on parental leave. Likely, it'll be three to four months. I haven't decided yet. Will you still hire me? <laughs> He thinks that anyone who doesn't hire a person just because they're going on parental leave is very short-sighted. Whether or not you go parental leave is a very personal thing. You're expecting the person to perform and stay for the long term. And you trust that this person will do what's right. So that, I I mean, I was like, okay, I'm soaked. And I was quite impressed, actually. Obviously, it was a good fit for both of us. So yeah, I got a promotion. I, I moved to a new role. And then shortly, you know, within three months... I I went on parental leave. So the the transition was smooth because likewise, the management and the leadership team were very supportive. I was still doing what I can to contribute to the business. But what, what is the handover plan? How do we make sure that the business still continues when you're not around? But when you come back, how do we get you up on speed again? So I think it's a very professional way of looking at things.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's an incredibly supportive environment where even the initial fears and concerns you have of taking extended parental leave are switched by your managers and by your bosses. And I think it's making a lot of us and I'm sure the audience definitely jealous. And it's a wonderful employer branding you're doing <laughs> on behalf of Salesforce. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess also related on that, you also mentioned the part about coming back, not working for four months, coming back, yeah. restarting the engine. I'm sure it wasn't easy. So talk to me a bit more about what were some of the challenges and how you went about dealing with those, right? Because I'm sure you really enjoyed the time with your family yeah. coming back. Yeah. There's all these adjustments. So yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll share both of my experience for the two times that I've gone yeah. on parental leave. So the first time, mm-hmm. because I moved to a new role. So it was a you know brand new role. I needed to figure out things. I would say there are pros and cons. Like The con is that you are not in that motion. You are not moving like a third gear or fourth gear. The benefit, I would say, is that you're moving slowly, but you are a bit more strategic and you might see mm. things from a broader perspective. Sometimes when you are in your work, you have a very narrow viewpoint of what has been done before, what might work, what might not work, right? Because you look at no... What has been done before, mm. or just based on your own experience, or based on your peers' experience? I think taking a step back during that four months of parental leave allowed me to see things, I think, a bit more clearly. Not only from a business standpoint, but also in my own personal life as well. Yeah. Okay. How do I recalibrate what's important for me? So I would say that it was actually a very refreshing and energizing experience because when I came back. I was running at 100% for a long time. But I imagine, you know, previously in my role, I probably was working at 70, 80%, maybe sometimes 60%. How do you run 100% for a long period of time? I just don't think it's sustainable. And I think it's a topic that maybe Salesforce has also talked about, right? Which is how do we keep our employees working, you know, at their best for a long period of time? And recently, you know, we've also heard leadership say any point of time, especially during this pandemic, if you require to take time off, take as much time off as you need. Some people take a few months off. Some people take a few weeks off. Some people take a few days off. Some people say, I just need to have a good sleep. I just need to do meditation, for example, for one hour every day. Then I feel refreshed. So it really depends, right, from people to people. But for myself, during that parental leave, it was a really good time to Really recalibrate and get all the energy back before I start to do my work again. So because of that experience, then I also told myself, I think it's good occasionally for, after like two to three years, or for some people it's like five years, to take a sabbatical or take some time off of work, whether it's three months, whether it's six months, whether it's one month as well, just to rest before you you know start to work again. Because if you're always working, I don't think, I think some people just forget to rest I think for my second experience, because now I'm still transiting back, I still feel like I'm not in my like high-speed gear, but I feel like I'm more intentional in what I have to do. So I am moving. As you will know, if you're working, your gears will always move fast. I'm not in a hurry to move fast. In fact, there's a lot of value in moving slow. Sometimes you just need to stop and think,
0: like, what are you doing in your work? True. I think there's a whole book on that, right? Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think what you say is definitely so valuable, not needing to rush and perform 100% all the time, but also uh, in large part pacing yourself. So I guess having gone through this twice, what kind of advice would you give to parents who are returning from leave, right? In terms of strategies to cope, things that worked well for you? I don't think I'm an expert in this.
1: I feel like parenting is really a journey. I was recently sharing with a friend that sometimes I feel like parenting is like a role-playing game. As a parent, as as a level one player, you just don't know what you're doing. You have no armor, you have no gear. And every day you have so many battles to fight. And sometimes you're just not equipped. And sometimes you fall, right? And sometimes you get hurt. I think it's okay because if you come back from it, you will just be better. You know, having my second child and taking care of my first one, I do feel a bit more equipped. Maybe instead of level one, maybe I'm now like, level 10. And the highest level is probably like 100. And probably I'll see that when my kids have grown up.
0: Right. I wanted to understand, you said that you now at level 10, there were setbacks. So tell me, what was perhaps one setback or I won't say mistake, but perhaps one thing that now on hindsight, you would do differently?
1: I think in the whole grand scheme of things, I don't think we really need to rush into getting back to work. Parenting is really good in training your personal mastery and and also leadership. I say personal mastery is because a lot of times the emotions that we have will be easily captured by our children. I can't really say whether there's any specific times, but there are a lot of times when we lose, for example, for myself, where I lose my patience with my child because he doesn't want to sleep or take an afternoon nap. It's sort of like seeing a train crash coming, right? But I still do it. I know that I shouldn't like lose my temper because the moment I raise my voice at her, suddenly she raises her voice. And it's just a downward spiral. Similar to how, you know, we are working with our peers or even interacting with our family and friends. Being a parent helps with, you know, your personal mastery and also how you control your thoughts, your emotions. Any other specific example? Uh, at this point, time, I can't really think of any. I would say my, I'm very blessed because I think my kids are quite well-behaved in many ways. Even though I think it's also because my, my wife is very patient now. I'm the
0: less patient one in the relationship. Okay, so you, you read my mind because that was going to be my next question when you talked about the, the shouting. <laughs> so tell me, how does discipline look like?
1: How does discipline look like?
0: Um, yeah, because your elder daughter, I guess, they call it terrible tools and in inverted commas, the part where they are trying to express themselves. So... I'm sure you have battle stories, hopefully not battle scars to show.
1: I think at least if the child is young, it's a time of setting boundaries because I think children are naturally curious and instead of shutting them down, I think me and my wife, we often want to explain to them or tell them, you know, this is the boundary. Obviously, if the child wants a knife, I'm not going to give him, give him or her a knife, right? Because we know better. It, it's dangerous. And children will always push your the boundaries. They will always test the limits and think that's okay because sometimes it gives us a glimpse of what are our limits. Sometimes we don't even know. And one example would be me and my wife, we are quite against screen time. At home, maybe we have a TV, but my, my children, they don't watch it. Even if we watch, you know, we probably watch it, you know, when they're not around, just for a while. But as long as my children are around, we don't watch screen time. So. A lot of times, you know, they will test the limits. Like, no, I, I, I want to watch uh, this. I want to watch that. And we just cut it off. The rule is no screen time means no screen time. And then we also know, okay, this is our hard limit. But another example would be like food. They say like, oh, uh, can I eat a bit of your cake? And then in our minds, like, no cake. No cake for you, right? And then they will push, right? They will say, okay, like, no, I just want small bite. Just a bit only. And then if we cave in, then you know it's not your heart limit. That means it's not really a boundary. They, you just don't like it that they eat cake. But children are smart, right? They would model after your behaviors and actions. So you can't tell your child, you, know, you, you cannot eat ice cream. It's bad for you. And then every day you just eat ice cream in front of them. Right? Then they will know it is not fair, right? So then how do we model to be the kind of leader or person that is respectable and
0: also they know they you know has authority as well. Mm, so true so true you got a role model the example because kids they catch on very quickly right the moment they see you do something yeah. that it's a little different from what you say they will catch on to it and they'll keep you accountable for that
1: yeah for sure yeah
0: so i'm curious Ned. it sounds like this is something and parenting of course is something that you give a lot of thought into. what are perhaps some of the resources mentors books that you use to kind of get advice or learn that's a good question
1: I'm not sure if this is something which everyone has resource to. So in Salesforce, we actually have this resource called the Clio program. And this...
0: How how do you spell it? Clio. Clio, C-L-E-O. I think we
1: have a partnership with Clio, I guess. And what happens is as Salesforce employees, we have access to like an app where we can have a direct conversation or direct message with a family guide. This family guide is someone who can guide us through the experience of being a parent. And the topics can vary from food, to sleep, to emotions, to milestones and whatnot. And it's just something which we have access to. So me and my wife, we both have access to an app. For example, just a few months, I think right before my second child was born, we, we were a bit concerned about sleep. And the topic of sleep is a bit broad, right? So we shared with the family guide. We said, what is the sleeping arrangement going to be like? Then my older daughter was sleeping in her own room. But then the moment we said, oh, we're going to have a newborn. You're going to be a sister. And then suddenly she wants to sleep with us in the room. Then what does that mean for our new child? Is our new child going to sleep in the room? Obviously, the new child is going to cry every like two hours or so, right? Then how is that going to affect my daughter's sleep? It was a bit of tangle, right? That we had in our minds we we'll say, how do we untangle this? And we spoke to the family guide and the family guide say, okay, if you want a bit more detailed or deeper conversation, I'll connect you with a sleep, like a sleeping coach. And we had that conversation. I think it gave us a lot of assurance that let's just take it one step at a time. We may not have to worry. A lot of resource available. Maybe I can share it because a lot of these books are books that my wife shared with me, but I don't have a specific book title in mind.
0: No problem. Actually, on the topic of that co-sleeping with two kids... Can you tell me how to resolve it? Because I think that is something that at least some parents do go through. So what were some of the insights, if you can recall, and what was the outcome? At least for the first
1: few weeks, I would say, or close to, was it two months? So every night, my daughter sleeps around like 9 plus 10. We will, she needs somebody to like help her to get to bed. She sleeps in my room. She sleeps on the mattress because in school, she has that mattress as well. She's used to sleeping on the floor on the mattress after, you know, we get her to bed, then that's when we take care of my newborn and help him to get to bed. As what I mentioned to you, we have this fear. You know, what if he cries and then my daughter cries and then it's crying and there's a lot of cries and a lot of chaos. I'm not sure whether I, I want to go through that, right? So what we did is both me and my wife, we slept on the sofa uh, in our living room, took out like a mattress to sleep as well. I think at that point of time, we were living with a lot of uncertainty and a bit of fear. And then later on, I think when we noticed that my younger boy was sleeping a bit longer, we, we said, we can try. Let's go to the room. Eventually, we need to just bite the bullet and just do it. We also read that a lot of times the older kid will get used to it. They will, it, it sort of become like white noise to them. So we put it to the test and we tried it. Now, you know, we all sleep together in the same room. And my younger one still cries from time to time. But a lot of times we soothe him back to sleep. So thankfully, it's still mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Got it.
0: Wow. I mean, it sounds rough that you guys had to sleep in the living room, basically displaced from your, your the comforts of your bed onto a sofa and all of that. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: I think being a parent just really brings you on an adventure. Uh, oh, and just hundred percent. Just there's a lot of uh, crazy experiences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You become super creative, right? Figuring out what works and what uh, doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm. Very interesting. Well, that is such an enjoyable conversation I have. To kind of wrap up our time today, if there's one lesson you'd learned as a parent in tech, what would that be? I think being
1: a parent in tech is really quite a wonderful experience. At least the joys and the benefits that I've seen and I really enjoy is flexibility. I think especially in a COVID post-pandemic world, as some would call it, I think we realized that there is a blur between working and and also your personal life, right? Especially when working from home. I do find myself, you know, for example, working past my usual working hours. I also find myself like incorporating my personal time into my working hours. So there is a blur in terms of like, work really like nine to five. Obviously for me in sales, we are not bounded by the nine to five. A lot of times we have to work late at night or even like early morning as well, just to take like a client call. But I think just being in tech gives me a lot of flexibility to say, okay, if there's an emergency today, if there's something important that I need to attend, do I have that flexibility or do I have that autonomy to attend to it? And I, I would say yes. And I didn't realize flexibility was so important to me until in a company like Salesforce. So yeah, flexibility, I think it's underrated, I would say. Obviously, with conversations with maybe people in other industry that might not something which, which is so readily available. Very thankful to have that flexibility and also ability to manage my own time.
0: True, true. It's like a feature, a perk of working in tech. Cool. Well, Ned, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. If some of our audience would love to connect with you, how can they best do so?
1: I think they can connect with me on LinkedIn. So you can just search Nathadius. I don't think there are any other Natharius on <laughs> LinkedIn. In fact, my Gmail Definitely. is also... Add- yeah, my Gmail is also Nathanius. Um, I don't use... Facebook or Instagram. So I think
0: LinkedIn is the best way. Sure, we'll add your LinkedIn profile to the, the show notes too. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Ned, such a joy speaking with you. Thanks, Singan. pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tingan. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback or suggestion. Once again, the website is www.parents.fm. That's all for this episode folks, see you next time!